Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 330. Thank you for tuning in. I am Tom Maluli, and joining me today is Tim Maluli for Election Day Special. Yes, we are recording this on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. Uh, the presidential election ends today. Well, it started a while ago. We hope it ends today. Well, the <laughs> casting of votes will end today. So we're recording this on Tuesday. It has to go through the editing process, and so... Folks may not be listening to this until... Probably the end of the week, I think, at the earliest Thursday. Usually we put these up on Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, hopefully we have some sort of results or indication of what how things are going to shake out. But we may not know by the time you're listening to this who has definitively won. There was a message that we had for people in the video this week. And our message this whole time about the markets and the election and what to do in terms of changes to make in your portfolio and things to do. Our message has been consistent this whole time. So we're able to record these podcasts and videos before we know what happens because our message isn't going to change regardless of the results. So the video we recorded on Monday, the podcast we're recording today on Tuesday, the message is the same on these days as it's going to be on Wednesday or Friday or whenever we get the results. And the message basically is, hey, if you have a cash need, if you've got money in an investment account that we're managing and you need that money in the next three months, six months, nine months, it should be nowhere near stocks. Right. It just shouldn't be. Even longer periods than that. We're very confident, you know, unless something's happening that we don't know about, we feel totally secure in our recommendations to our clients on the allocation. We've made the point that a lot of the money that we manage for people is long term in nature. So the results of one presidential election or, you know, one headline or one story. Because there's always going to be stories that are moving the market. Earlier this year, we had, you know, the pandemic came and and rocked everyone's world. And for the long term, that wasn't a reason to rip up the script either. And now the same thing is happening here in November in 2021. I'm sure there's going to be something else that comes along that gets everyone's attention. These short term events are not a reason to rip up a long term game plan, especially when that money needs to get you to and through a retirement. It's very true. And when we talk about returns and expectations for clients, if we're talking about long-term returns of 6% or long-term returns of 5%, 7%, whatever the number is, understand that we bake in to those projections numbers that include bad years, that include rocky periods, bumpy periods during the market. We're very confident in how we're positioned, no matter what the result is going to be 
this week or for any other event in the future. There's going to be up years and down years, that average that you're talking about. It's not a straight line, smooth every year, crisp uh, 6% on the button. There's going to be higher than that, lower than that. You know, there was an article that that Josh Brown wrote from Ritholtz that kind of echoes some sentiment that we have been conveying in blog posts and videos and podcasts that, you know, the stock market doesn't care who wins. Um, We talked about it last week, how, you know, if a Republican wins or a Democrat wins, companies are going to find ways to continue to make money and continue to grow. So the market doesn't really care who wins. The market wants to know. Yeah, and, you know. It, and it wants to move past exactly. this event and right. on to the next thing. Right. And so that's why we saw last week, uh, this was the last week of October, we saw markets selling off pretty hard. I think you know the averages were off about 6% in about a week and a half. It turns out that most of the selling was done in some of the real large cap technology names. Maybe that's people just taking money off the table because they've had a good run. We didn't see too much selling across the board, you know, across the entire sector or the entire averages. We just saw the selling really confined to the large cap tech names. Now we're seeing just the opposite. We had a big up day Monday. We're having another big up day today. And as Josh pointed out, this appears to be like a reflex rally or the market just exhaling that we're finally at the finish line for this event, hopefully, and it doesn't drag on past the election day. Yeah, and there was a post from Nick Majuli also at Ritholtz talking about, you know, what the stock market does around election day. And, you know, like we've been telling clients, we expect, and it's happened this week and the last handful of trading days last week too, you expect markets to be volatile leading up to the election. And Nick actually pointed out in his post, you usually see more volatility leading up to the election, and it tends to not really continue on after the election. And it's for that reason that you just said, and and like what Josh pointed out too, they the market just wants to know and exhale afterwards and move on. The corollary to that is what happened 20 years ago, 2000, when we had Bush and Gore essentially in a flat-footed tie. Right. And this went on for another 33 days after the election. And I know I mentioned this in a video a couple of weeks ago, but it, it, it was 33 days, but it felt like 33 years. Because every day you came to the office with this black cloud hanging over you, you did not know who the president was and what the game plan, like what the agenda was going to be for a new administration. And uh, things got held up until the Supreme Court basically told the uh, counters in Florida to stop doing the recount. That ended it. Uh, And then we were able to move forward. But interesting to note that the market hardly moved during that period. In that 33 days, the market was down 3.5%. Now, the day of the election, uh, the market was down about 3%. So if you were to say, okay, from election day until the day that the Supremes stepped in, uh, the market was down 65 7%, something like that. But just the period of not knowing, 
Right. The market was down three and a half percent. On top of that, it might have seemed like 33 years, but in you know the the larger picture, I mean, it's just 33 days there. It's not even if it takes 33 days to find out this time who has won. You know, over the span of your investing career, 33 days is nothing. It's it's it's, it's you know a blip on the radar there. So you're right. And the other point that I'll add on top of that is nobody, nobody wanted to do anything during those 33 days because they didn't know who was going to emerge victorious. Everything is in limbo at that point. Everyone's collectively holding their breath, waiting to see what happens. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a contested election and then we see several days or even several weeks where we don't know the outcome. No one's going to want to do anything in either direction, buying or selling, because they don't want to be on the wrong side of the trade. Right. And I think what we're seeing most of the time now in these weeks leading up to the election and people trading immediately after the election are trades. They're They're trading. Uh, And this is not stuff that our clients normally get mixed up in. Right. Yeah, and I think for for anyone listening who might have wanted to make preemptive changes or wholesale changes leading up to the election and didn't and stuck stuck with their plan you know i applaud you for doing that because leading up to this whole year in general lead that you know every day there are new headlines and new crazy stories coming out and things trying to wear you down and get you to make these moves that will in the long term end up hurting you so if you were able to stick to your guns, I mean, hats off to you and also, you know, use this as something to learn from moving forward when tough obstacles pop up and make you want to make emotional decisions. I know that Mike Batnick wrote an article uh, talking about portfolio tweaks around election time, and he had a basically like a survey that showed uh, mm-hmm. the percentage of people who increased cash or added protection by buying puts or selling calls against positions, or they made adjustments to their sector allocations. Yeah, he. Uh, it was a UBS survey, and said so. 63% of the people that were that were surveyed for this uh, said that they made some kind of change to their portfolio ahead of the election. I think 35% increased cash, and uh, I think like 26 or 27%, like you said, added protection. So, in, and, in just my opinion. That's way too high, these numbers. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised by them. We don't haven't been recommending people make changes in, in, like in anticipation of, of the election. I think Michael had a pretty good point. If making small tweaks or adding a little bit of cash was a way to stop you from making an all-in or all-out decision, he said, you know, do what you got to do. On the degree of bad decisions, that's a little bit better than taking all of your money out of your investments. That is almost always a bad idea. And right. I've you've heard me say this to clients. In 35 years, there's been exactly one time where that made sense, and that was 2008, to go all in or all out. Yeah. And all I, out. Yeah. I mean, you can even make a case that even 2008, you didn't have to do that. Right. So, right. yeah, there's hardly ever a time where that makes sense or where that will be a good idea and it'll work out for you in the long run. I wonder sometimes if I were back in production as a broker and working on commission 
if clients called up and said, hey, I want to make adjustments in my portfolio ahead of the election, and then we can go back in after the election, I, I just wonder how tempting it is. You I'm know. sure the answer probably would have been great. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, because we'd be getting paid. Right, brokers, I mean, you get you would be getting paid on the way out and then getting paid on the way back in. I think that that, for us here as fiduciaries and you know fee only, we don't have that decision to make. There is no commission coming in for us on the way out or the way back in. So any decisions that we make for our clients' money, you know that it's in your best interest because we're not gaining anything financially from that. I, I just have to share this. The, the very first presidential election that I was involved in when I was in the business, I remember the elections before getting into the business when I was going through school, but the first election where I worked on Wall Street was the re-election of Ronald Reagan. He was running against Walter Mondale. And I am not a historian, but Walter Mondale in September before the, you know, two months before the election said, I'm going to raise your taxes if I'm elected. And to my knowledge, that was the first time a candidate ever said those words out loud. And that was pretty much the end of his campaign. In that election, Reagan wound up winning 48 states, uh, 49 states. So Mondale took Minnesota, his home state, and the District of Columbia. And you think about some of these deep blue states, these Democrat states like California, uh, New York. You know, some of these states have always been Democrat, even those flipped Republican at that point. So I, I think saying raising taxes can sometimes be a third rail. It's part of the reason why nothing ever gets solved when it comes to social security problems too. People don't want to deal with this stuff because it's it's political suicide. Whether the policies that the that the people enact will or won't raise taxes, the candidate is is always going to say except for I guess in this one situation the candidate's always going to say, I'm not going to raise your taxes. And the person, their opponent is always going to say, that person's going to raise your taxes. Right. Also, uh, you know, we're recording this on election day. Uh, and so by the time you hear this, it's going to be over. But uh, I know that on Tuesday night, people are going to start talking about, or Tuesday afternoon, people are going to start talking about exit polls. Mm -hmm. People coming out of the polling centers and saying, I voted for this guy. I voted for that guy. Interesting story. Uh, when uh, W. Bush uh, ran for re-election, uh, he ran against John Kerry. According to the exit polls, everybody came out of their polling centers saying that they voted for John Kerry. And that John Kerry was going to be the next president. And the market started selling off that afternoon. And the market continued to sell off when rumors began in the afternoon that W was writing his concession speech, and it turned out to be totally wrong. And yeah. so you can't go on what the media has been telling. We just have to wait for the dust to settle on this. Now, in this case, we may not know on Wednesday morning. We may not know for the next couple of days. Yeah, and I think in terms of your portfolio, it doesn't necessarily matter what the results are anyway, because... Our message to people that wanted to make tweaks ahead of the election was that we think it's a bad idea and that the stock market doesn't care who's in the White House. 
And that's going to be the message after after the fact too. So regardless of, of who wins, um, if you thought about making changes ahead of time or th- are thinking about making changes based on the results, uh, just know that there's a lot of evidence to support the fact that it's not going to matter for your investments over the long term. So I've seen several headlines in just the last few days saying the very same thing uh, that you just echoed. And people point out that markets tend to go up over time. Uh, I began writing a new blog post this morning, and then I just scrapped it because I could basically sum it up with that line I just said, that markets go up over time. What I wanted to do was show when Mondale was running against Reagan in 84, where the Dow was, and then where it was in 88, 92, 96, 2000, and go straight through to today, we know the answer. I think in 2008, the only time that was maybe the only time where the market might have been lower than it was in 2004. Yeah, I we put up a blog post on the Maluli Asset Management website. I think it was last week or the week before, and it it outlined. I think going back to the 80s, the performance of the stock market under whoever was president. And I think you're right, George. George W. Bush was the only one that it was it was negative. And, you know, that I think his I'm not trying to defend him, but I think his number would have been close to flat uh, if we didn't have this collapse in 2008. Right. And and yeah, that that's not a knock on George W. Bush. And it's not a commentary on any other president, regardless of what party they're in. I mean, we've talked about how Presidents tend to be the scapegoats when things go bad. They get too much credit when things go really well, and they get too much blame when things go really bad. I mean, these these things that happened in the country while while these people are president, it's not 100% their fault or 100% not their fault. So to pin all of the stock market performance on George W. Bush or on Bill Clinton or Obama or Trump, it... Yeah, it's not as cut and dry as people like to make it out to be. We always talk about how the market wants one narrative. Yeah. I mean, the market sold off last week, whether that was because of the election coming up or not. I mean, there's also the point that you know the market pretty much went straight up from March until September or October. So maybe it just needed a a breather. Right. I mean, there are, there's always. A handful of different narratives to put on why the market does what it does and I think assigning you know the outcome of an election or a political party to one or the other is it's weak it's irresponsible it's weak yeah. yeah people don't don't buy and people don't sell all for the same one reason everybody's got different reasons yeah. okay that's gonna wrap up episode 330 thanks again for tuning in and we will catch up with you on our next podcast <laughs>